following message is from Hope Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. More information about Hope Church can be found at hopechurchonline.com. The way that you see something is very important. Let me say that again. The way that you see something is very important. I want to put a picture up on the screen of a vicious animal that is located in various places around the world. Now, I want you to look at that same picture a little bit differently. I'm going to say it again. The way that you see something is very important, right? We can both be looking at the same thing, but if we're looking at it differently, we see something very different. One of the greatest things that can happen in the life of any believer, any follower of Jesus is that we would begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. You want to get set free today. You want to experience the presence and the power of God today. Listen, if you could only begin to see you the way God sees you, it would set you free. This book we call the Bible is full of truth about God. But this book is also full of truth that God says about you and me as his children. And I would just encourage you sometime, just read through the Bible. Read through the New Testament in particular. And just underline all of those places where the Word of God says something that is now true about you. And when you read those things, wrap your heart around them and claim them as truth about you. Now, I'm going to confess this morning. Often... I don't see the things in my life the way that God sees them. I want to, in every situation and in every circumstance, I want to see that the way that God sees it. But, but if I'm just going to be honest with you today, sometimes I don't always see things the way that God sees them. But I want to give you a, a reality this morning that's going to really be what we unpack for the entire morning. And I want to put it up on the screen, and here's the reality. When I see me the way He sees me, I can bless the Lord at all times. I want you to read that out loud with me. You ready? One, two, three. When I see me the way he sees me, I can bless the Lord at all times. You see, the way that we see something is very important. 
And if I can begin to see me the way that he sees me, then in every situation and circumstance in my life, I can bless the Lord. Last weekend, we began a new journey through a wonderful New Testament letter called 1 Peter. If you have your Bible, I want you to open it to 1 Peter. 1 Peter is all the way towards the end of the Bible. If you're not familiar with 1 Peter, just go all the way till you hit the maps at the end and back up just a little bit. 1 Peter, you'll find it there. And when we looked at this last weekend, we, we understood that this letter was written by Peter to a group of Christians in the first century who were facing some extreme circumstances. They were facing some very hard times. And last weekend, all we did was unpack verses 1 and 2. We began to look at really what is the salutation. It's the greeting that Peter gives these Christians. Now, these Christians that he's writing to are scattered throughout the Roman Empire. They're facing extreme persecution. Life is very difficult. Life is very challenging. Now, with that backdrop, I want you to look at the first thing Peter tells them after his introduction. It's found in verse number 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the first line. Here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Read that out loud with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word blessed there is a Greek word that literally means worthy of praise. And it's interesting, this particular Greek word throughout the New Testament is only used to describe the person of God because nobody else is inherently worthy of praise like God is worthy of praise. But as I read that phrase this week, I thought, how insensitive. I mean, here's Simon Peter writing to a group of Christians that are facing some really tough stuff. And he says, anybody got a praise report? You ever been in small group and you're having really a rough day or a rough week or maybe a rough month? And somebody in small group says, oh, I've got a praise report. And you want to just... You don't because you're filled with the Spirit of God, but you want to you wanna go just in the name of Jesus. Just love them up close, right? Because you're thinking, praise, my life's falling apart. What do you mean praise report? Here's Simon Peter writing to a group of Christians that we looked at last weekend are facing some incredibly difficult circumstances. And the first thing he says is, God is worthy of praise. Does he not understand what they're going through? But you see, when I begin to see me, and when I begin to see the circumstances in my life, the way he sees them, I can bless the Lord at all times. Remember last weekend? We unpack some truth about where these Christians are. And if I was going to try to summarize it in one statement, here's the statement I would summarize. I gave you this last week and didn't put it on the screen, but look at it this morning. Nothing is happening in your life that is not filtered 
through the sovereign plan of a loving Father and under the direct control of the Holy Spirit. Listen, that is what the book says about you. That's what the book says about me. The book says there's nothing in my life right now. There's not a circumstance. There's not a situation. There's not a problem. There's not a challenge. There's not an obstacle in my life today. Now look at me. Listen to me. Don't, don't look at me spiritual. Look at me honestly, all right? Look, look. There's not one thing. And if you are a follower of Jesus, there's not one thing in your life today that is not filtered through the sovereign hands of a loving Father and under the direct control of the Holy Spirit of God. And when I can see me the way He sees me, no matter what's going on, I can say, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. But listen, if I don't see me the way He sees me, I'm going to struggle to bless the Lord. I'm going to have a hard time getting there. When we see things the way He sees things, we can bless the Lord at all times. Let's read the rest of this. 1 Peter chapter 1. Today we're going to look at verses 3 through 5 because these verses tell us some very interesting things about the way the Father sees us. Look at it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, And will not fade away reserved in heaven for you. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Man, he says some great stuff about the way God sees us in those three verses that I want to unpack. I want to give you three realities that the Father sees that you and I need to see today that will allow us to bless the Lord at all times. Here's the first one. He sees my past has been dealt with. You see the way he opens in verse 3? Who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Notice that's past tense. It's done. It's completed action. He has caused us to be born again. It's describing what the Father has already done in our lives. He's caused us to be born again. Now, that raises a very serious question. Why do we need to be born again? And I'm so glad you asked that question this morning. You see, here's the reality. The Bible teaches us all the way back to the book of Genesis that God created every one of us to live our lives in fellowship with Him. That's why God made human beings. God made us to enjoy fellowship with Him. But here's what the Bible teaches. Since the book of Genesis, we've all been born into this world without 
a relationship with God. You say, how did that happen? Let me show it to you. If you have your Bible, turn all the way back to the book of Genesis. I want to read you a few verses real quickly. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Now, before I read those, let me give you the context. God's created Adam and Eve, and God's placed them in what's called the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden was the place that was the symbol of man's perfect, intimate fellowship relationship with God. God put them there, and then Adam and Eve daily enjoyed a fellowship relationship with God. But in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 2, look what it says. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat from it you will surely, say it out loud, die. Here's what God said. God said, The whole garden's yours. It's free reign. You enjoy it. You enjoy fellowship with me. You have complete freedom here. There's one thing, one tree. Don't don't eat of that tree because the day you eat of that tree, you're going to what? Die. Turn over to chapter 3 of Genesis. Look at verse 6. Now pick up the story. The, The serpent, Satan, has come and begun to tempt Eve to eat of the tree. And look what it says in verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and what? Ate. Wait a minute. I thought God said don't do that. That's what he said, right? Look what it says. Before you get to blaming Eve, read on. She gave also to her husband, say it out loud, with her. You get the picture, right? Adam's going to let her be a guinea pig. He's standing there. He's just going to watch and see what happens. He's been entrusted with the spiritual leadership of his family, and Adam abdicates that responsibility and that role. He says, I'm just going to sit back and watch, see what what happens when she eats it. And the Bible says she ate it, and he didn't really see anything, so she gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, you'd think verse 7 says then they both fell down dead, right? Is that what yours says in verse 7? Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the implication here in Hebrew is that there was this moment daily. I don't know how long it was between chapter 2 and chapter 3. I don't know if it was a day, a week, a month, six months, six years, 600 years. have no idea. But the implication in Hebrew is that daily God would come in the cool of the day and enjoy fellowship with Adam and Eve in the garden. And they were always waiting in anticipation of this moment to be with God. And look what it says happened on this day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You see, I thought it said they would die. They did die. Let me tell you what happened. They experienced spiritual death. Here's what happened in verse 8. Adam and Eve lost the ability to have a fellowship relationship with God. They died spiritually. And that's why if you turn to the end of chapter 3, look at the last two verses, verses 23 and 24. Look what it says. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out. Look what it goes on to say. And he 
stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. What was the garden? The garden was the symbol of that perfect relationship that man enjoyed with God. And the Bible says after they sinned, they lost the ability to have a relationship with God. And God drove them out of the garden as a symbol that Adam and Eve had died spiritually and they lost the the very reason they were created was to know God and now they lost the ability to relate with God you say pastor that's that's wonderful but that was a long 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 time ago what does that have to do with me today we'll turn back over to the New Testament Romans chapter 5 Look at verse 12. The Bible says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world. Who is that? That man is Adam. And death through sin, spiritual death, physical death, ultimately. Look what it says. So death spread to all men. Here's what that means. Every person born since Adam has inherited from Adam the nature that Adam had. Dead to God and alive to sin. Every person born since Adam and Eve comes into this world dead to God. Why is that important? Because you and I were created for relationship with God. The very reason we were made was to enjoy fellowship with God. And yet because of sin, sin entered into the world. Now every human being is born without the very capacity to enjoy the very reason they were created. Dead to God and alive to sin. You say, prove it. Look what the rest of the verse says. Here's the evidence. Because all sinned. There's the evidence that we've inherited this way from Adam. Listen, if you don't believe me, I encourage you when the service is over, make your way over to the preschool department in our church. We're not over there teaching them how to be selfish. We're not over there teaching them how to take something from somebody. We're not teaching them how to have a temper. All that just comes what? Come on, now you hear what you just said theologically? You just theologically said they are acting according to their nature. They are acting according to who they are. Where does that come from? We come into this world very much dead to God. But listen, very alive to sin. Because of our sin. We're dead and need to be made alive. And listen, here's what Peter writes to these believers and says, listen, I know it's tough. I know there's some difficult circumstances in your life, but you need to bless God because you've been made alive. He says, blessed be the God and Father who has caused us, listen, to be born again. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, I don't have today hope that I know God. I don't have today to dream about being in God's family. 
I know I am God's child because of what he did. I've been born again into relationship with God. That's why Paul wrote it this way. Look in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at it on the screen. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, we don't have time to unpack this, but there's not much a dead person can do for themselves. That doesn't take a whole lot of unpacking, right? Dead people can't do anything for themselves. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Skip down to verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We can bless God because we've been born again. Well, why did God do that? Well, he tells us, 1 Peter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. Now, here's what that means. It didn't have anything to do with me. It was based on the limitless compassion of God. It's not because I was lovable. It's not because I earned it. It's not because I worked for it. It's not because I merited it. Today, I am what I am by the grace and the mercy of God. I have been born again based on the grace of Almighty God. Now, here's why that's encouraging. If I didn't earn my way in, I don't have to worry about earning my way out. That's going to hit some of you at lunch and you're going to get excited. How did he do this? How did God make us to be alive? Well, he tells us, uh, according to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope. Here's the through. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's how all this fits together. Listen, what happened? Adam and Eve sinned against God. Since Adam and Eve, we've all inherited a sin nature, dead to God, alive to sin. Jesus came into the world as the only qualified substitute because Jesus was the sinless, holy Son of God. He came into the world, lived a sinless life on the cross. Jesus, listen, here's what he did. He took all of your sin and all of my sin on himself. And on the cross, Jesus Christ died. Why is that important? What do we inherit because of our sin? Spiritual death that leads to physical death that ultimately leads to eternal death, separation from God. On the cross, Jesus did all of that. He died physically. He experienced spiritual death, separation from God. God said that he's turned his back on his son. He died eternal death because he was God in the flesh. All of the death that I'd inherited because of my sin, Jesus died. But notice Peter didn't say, you've been born again to a living hope through the death of Jesus. No, 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 no. He said, through the resurrection of Jesus. Listen, if all Jesus did was die, we still don't have any hope. But glory to God, he didn't stay dead. He defeated death, hell, and the grave as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice for our sins. And now, no matter what's happening around me, I can bless God because my past has been dealt with. Listen to the way John MacArthur said it. I love this quote. God knows how we were, how we now live, and how we will live the rest of our lives. 
He sees everything about us in stark naked reality. Yet he says, I am satisfied with you because I am satisfied with my son to whom you belong. When I look at you, I see him and I am pleased. When I see me the way he sees me, I can bless the Lord at all times. That's why Peter could write to them in the middle of these difficult circumstances and say, Bless God! Because you've been born again. Your past has been dealt with. But let me give you a second one. He sees my future is glorious. Not only my past has been dealt with, but look at verse 4. I'm going to put verse 4 back up on the screen. Look what he said. To obtain an inheritance. Listen to this. Here's what he said in verse 3. In verse 3, he said, Blessed be God, who according to his great mercy had nothing to do with you, everything to do with him, caused us to be born again to a living hope. How that happened? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why? To obtain an inheritance, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved. In heaven for you. That'll bring a ray of hope on a dark day. The word reserved here is a word that means to take care of, to guard, to keep an eye on. Uh, Vincent, great Greek scholar, he says it means to be laid up and kept back. When I was in college... Before I got married, I was a junior when I got married. My first two and a half years of college, I lived in the same town. My college was in the town where my grandparents lived, my dad's parents. And I called them Big Daddy and Me Mommy. That was my dad's parents, Big Daddy and Me Mommy. And Me Mommy, my, my granddad, Big Daddy, he was, a, he was a very staunch disciplinarian. He was career military man, been a drill sergeant in the military, fought in two wars. My grandmother was the polar opposite. She was this large woman who lived a large life. I mean, she just, well, if, if, if she was in the room, uh, she took over the room. She, <coughs> excuse me, she owned the room. Everybody would just was so entertained by my grandmother. She was just this incredibly entertaining lady. And, and there were times when me mommy would call me. I'd come home from school and she would say, she would say, sweetheart, I have kept a plate for you. Now, when me mommy said she's kept you a plate, that meant whatever she had cooked that day. And listen, if me mommy cooked, it was worth going for. I'm just telling you. But whatever she had cooked that day, what she had done is she had taken a big portion of that, piled it up on usually two or three plates, and set it aside and ordered a death wish to anybody who touched it because that was set aside for her most precious grandson, Vance. She reserved it. The Bible says God because of his grace, has caused us to be born again. We've been made now alive to God, and I get to know him and enjoy fellowship with him. But that's not all. He said, hey, Vince, I've kept you a plate. I've set back some over here. 
as an inheritance that belongs to you. And here's what he said, I've reserved it. It means God has set it aside and he's guarding it and he's holding it back for me. Listen, when you understand that, it may be tough today. You may be going through something hard, but listen to me. You have something held back by God himself. It's an inheritance. Ah. I love that word inheritance. It's a, it's a word that means a portion received on the basis of one's birth. Did you hear what we said in verse 3? We've been born again. Because I've been born again, I now got something I didn't have before. I have an inheritance. I can't even believe what I'm about to read to you. I'm serious. What I'm about, if, if what I'm about to read to you doesn't get you excited, listen, there's something wrong with you. I'm just telling you. Listen to this. Look what Paul says in Romans. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs also, listen, heirs of God. Now, before I even read the rest of it, the rest of it is going to blow your mind. Don't read it yet. Look at me. You hear what he just said? The one we're inheriting from is God. We're heirs of God. We have a portion of that which is God's. Your inheritance is only as significant as the one it comes from. Right? I mean... Inheritance doesn't mean much if the one you're inheriting from ain't got nothing. Come on. Some of you been there. You got the bill. He said, we are heirs of God. The one who sits on the throne of the universe and props his feet up on the earth. We're Heirs of God. But then look what it says. And fellow heirs with Christ. You know what that means? The word fellow heir is a Greek compound word. The root word is the word inheritance. But it's compounded with the preposition Together. Inheritance together with. It hadn't clicked for you yet. Here's what he said. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us. We're not just getting a little corner of it. We're heirs of God and fellow Heirs with Christ. Wow. Everything that's his is mine. I share in the same inheritance as the Son of God himself. Listen to me. Not because of my performance as a son, but because of my position as a son. Amen. 
How? Grace. Upon grace. He says it's imperishable. It means it does not have the capability of decay. He says it's undefiled. It means it's not stained by sin. I wish we had time to unpack that a little bit more, but it's the idea it's not tainted by sin. We live in a world where everything, even good stuff, is tainted by sin. The inheritance we have with him, it's it's imperishable. It's, It's not capable of decay, and it's not polluted. It's not tainted by sin. Then he says it will not fade away. It's the idea of it does not diminish in freshness or brightness or beauty. I love what Paul says about this inheritance in Romans chapter 8. Look what he said. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You get it? The word consider there, it's, a, it's an accounting term. It means to take an inventory. Paul says, I'm just taking inventory. And let me tell you what I've deduced. However tough it may get down here at times. <laughs> he didn't say, when I get there, it's going to be a little better. No, he said, you can't even compare. It's like an apple and a house. You just can't compare. There's no comparison. Peter writes to them in difficult times and says, here's where you start. Bless the Lord. How can I bless the Lord in difficult times? When I understand my past has been dealt with. And secondly, my future is glorious. But but there's a third one. He sees my present is secure. You hear what we just read? I have been born again in the past. I am going to obtain an inheritance in the future. But look at verse 5. Who are now protected. That's present tense. Means ongoing content. Meaning you could say this. Who are constantly being protected. Who are these? Those who've been born again by the grace of God. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the dead. Those who are going to obtain an inheritance in the future. He says let me tell you what you are right now. You are constantly. Every second of every day being protected. How? By the power of God. That word protected is a military term. It means a garrison. It's the idea of a military leader sending a battalion of soldiers into a place... To live and protect that place. He says, while I'm here, I'm being garrisoned. But not by an army. He says, by the power of God. Here's what that means. God has taken up residence in me to protect me while I'm here. Look look who he's writing to. They're suffering. 
He says, hey, bless God. How can we bless God? You've been born again. You got an inheritance. It's coming. Your past's been dealt with. Man, your future's glorious. And oh, by the way, while you're here, God's taken up residence in you. And he's constantly protecting you in every situation and circumstance in your life. The word protected here has two implications, and I think both of them apply. The word protected means, first of all, to keep those within from leaving. The second thing it it implies is to protect from attack without. So you get it? God is protecting us. He's keeping what's on the inside from from leaving. As I thought about that, I thought about this verse in John 18, chapter 9. Of those whom... Uh, you have given me, I lost not one. He's protecting me. Here's what that means. He won't even let me go. If I'd wanted to run away, if I want, and listen, some of us have, we, we've tried, right? There have been times through our rebellious nature. There have been times through our flesh. We've done everything we can do to get away from God. But what happened? He won't let us go. Why? Because he's taking up residence in me and he's protecting me. He won't even let what's on the inside get out. But then he said, he's protecting us from without. Here's what that means. He won't let me be defeated. First John said it this way. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When life gets hard, I need to see me the way he sees me. My past been dealt with. My future is glorious. My present is secure. He's protecting me. How how do I grab a hold of all that? Let me tell you how. By faith. Look what he said. If you got verse 5, put it back up on the screen. Who are protected by the power of God. What does it say? Through faith. For a, don't miss this, salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That little phrase, ready to be revealed, it's a phrase that literally means to remove something which is covered. Here's what it means. It means to let us in on something that was previously a secret. He said, if we just by faith see ourselves the way he sees us, and in all the circumstances, we just bless God, we just live by faith like that, here's what he says, one day, one day he's going he's to show us a salvation ready to be revealed. What does that mean? I thought I am saved. I am saved. That's right. But I'm also being saved. And one day I will be saved. How can all that be true? It's what the Bible teaches. I am saved. My past is dealt with. I am being saved. I'm being conformed to the image of Jesus daily. That salvation that is true about me positionally is now being worked out practically in my life. And one day I will be saved when all of sin will be dealt with and I'll be in heaven with him enjoying my inheritance with the Father. And he says, then he's going to let us in on the secret. Here's what it means. I was reading a devotion this week by a man named A.B. Simpson. And I want to read you a little excerpt out of that devotion. It's not going to be on the screen. I didn't want you to read it. I want you to just listen. 
Listen to these words. Someday, He will sit down with us in that glorious home and we shall have all the ages in which to understand the story of our lives. And He will read over again this old marked Bible with us and He will show us how He kept all these promises. He will explain to us the mysteries that we could not understand. He will recall to our memory the things we have long forgotten. He will go over again with us the book of life. He will recall all the finished story. And I am sure we will often cry. Blessed Christ, you have been so true. You have been so good. Was there ever a love like this? It's exactly what 1 Peter says. If we by faith see ourselves as a past being dealt with, a future that's glorious, a presence that's secure, one day, here's what he says. That salvation will be revealed. Here's what that means. The things that I don't understand right now. The things that I look at and think, man, this can't be God. I'll look back with perfect clarity when God says, here's what I was doing. Here's here's how that was me loving you. Here's how that was me wooing you. Here's how that was me embracing you. And with perfect clarity, we'll look back and say, bless God. Lord, bless the Lord. When I see me the way he sees me, I can bless the Lord at all times. Let's pray together. God, thank you today for your word. Lord, we thank you this morning for the unbelievable truth that you've taught us from the book of 1 Peter today. God, your word is so rich Your word is so true. And I pray for those here today, God, that don't know you. First of all, Lord, I pray that they would come to know you today. Lord, those that have never been born again. And then, God, I pray for every Christian here that they would begin to see themselves the way you see them. A past that is dealt with, a future that is glorious, and a present that is secure, all because of your grace. And let us, by faith today, grab a hold of that. As we sit this morning in the stillness of this moment, we're about to stand and sing a song of worship. And we're going to respond to what we've heard God speak today. First of all, I want to talk to you today if you've never been born again. I'm not asking this morning if you're religious. I'm not asking if you've been to church. Have you ever been born again by the power of God through the gospel? If you've never been born again, In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a song of worship. And when we do, we have some of our pastors that are going to be here at the front. If God's spoken to you today and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, you want to be born again. The way that happens is by faith. By faith, you embrace everything that Jesus has done for you. Here's what we're going to ask you to do. If you've never been born again and you want to know today that your past is 
settled and that your future is glorious and that your present is secure. I'm going to invite you when we stand to sing this song of worship to come. Take one of these pastors by the hand and simply say this. Say, I need Jesus. And we'll have somebody sit down and show you from the Bible how you can be born again into relationship with God through faith. Maybe you're here today and you're already a Christian. And you're going through one of life's difficulties right now. And in the midst of that, (laughs) you've heard today how God sees you. And today it's time for you by faith to embrace what God says about you and rejoice in the midst of difficulty. To bless the Lord in the midst of hard times. If that difficulty is such that you want one of our pastors, we'd be honored to pray with you. Maybe you're walking through something and you just want a pastor to just pray over you. We'd be honored to pray for you. You can come while we're singing. Any one of our pastors here would be honored to just pray for you and intercede on your behalf if it's a health situation, family, job, relationship, whatever it may be. We're going to open these steps up like an old-fashioned altar. You can come and just be alone with God. However God speaks today, you respond. Lord, have your way in this moment. God, we want to bless you because of who we are in you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Hope Church. We would love to connect with you, so be sure to follow us on our social networks by searching Hope Church LV.